On this episode of Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered, we sit down with a social media influencer, talk about how they built their business, both sleeping from their car, growing it back up again, all the tips and tricks, how to do a successful real estate career. It's going to be an incredible show. Tune in. You talk about it privately. We talk about it publicly. This is the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome again to the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, James Dwiggins, along with my co-host, Crazy Uncle Keith. Yes, sir. <laughs> we had a pretty special guest on our pod we today. Did. We're actually, we're making it somewhere in life. So we had, uh, <laughs> Look at uh, us, well, tell Tom. us about who our guest is and, uh, sure. and his background and his his influencer status. Yes, so, we had Ricky Carruth, real estate influencer, author of Zero to Diamond and other books and a podcaster. Uh, overall, it's hard to get on the old interwebs and put in real estate and not find Ricky. Uh, that so is it was true. A, great conversation where we man we covered such a variety of topics to going from sleeping in your car to making a million bucks the importance of grit the massive power of taking action and uh, tips and tricks on how to build a following and uh, he was very transparent and open with his life and how awesome. he's gotten to where he was so it was yeah it was a very thoughtful conversation good times tune in kids put it in your ears ricky welcome to the show i i know keith and i are very excited to have you here. Yes, you are the you are the guy that uh, does what we're trying to still figure out. You do it very professionally, <laughs> um, and have a huge following. Full disclosure: Ricky and I, uh, kind of a funny story. Ricky had done a uh, a pod and was doing a play by play on some probably some stupid shit I was saying as usual, and uh, <laughs> tried to get in touch with me. And then a whole bunch of people texted you like, "You gotta you gotta check this out." So Ricky and I started chatting. Of course, there's what no drama in residential real estate. Zero. at all to talk about yeah. ever so um i'm sure we'll get into some of that stuff but ricky let's do this um i think probably most people who are uh listening or following us probably are already following you but let's pretend that there are some people that aren't um let's start with a little bit about your background and just how did you get where you are today? Because you and I chatted for a few minutes, but I love your story of being a successful realtor, et cetera. So give us just a little bit of a, a background, and then I want to go deep into like how you got such a huge following on your pod, among other things. So yeah, no, and that that uh that pod I did of yours is actually very uh for me, it was pretty enlightening just to hear somebody from yeah, that wasn't talking out of their ass about this, all this stuff. You know, I kind of felt it was legit that you, you know, had some insight, um, you know, some inside information of what was going on. That's what I found really intriguing about that. But um, no, dude, I <laughs> man, it is a long story, but I'll, I'll give you the short of it. I um, I give us the medium. It doesn't have to be too well, short. I, I, give us I, the I medium. Grew up roofing houses. Um, you guys ever do like hard like labor? Keith mm -hmm. tries to outsource everything through DoorDash. I do because because I unloaded trucks to get through college and yeah. decided that I never wanted to do that again. So yeah. yes, now I'm a, a aggressive outsourcer. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, uh, my dad owned a roofing business and uh, in Alabama. Like we're right, dude. We are right on the Alabama Florida line on the beach. Okay, right. Did you did you guys realize that Alabama had like Florida type mm -hmm. beaches? No, Florida tries to claim credit for everything. So I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. I did not know that. Exactly. And so, a lot of people don't. Yeah. But it, it it's literally like Florida, the Florida beaches extend in Alabama a good 40 mm -hmm. miles. <laughs> I mean, it's just palm trees, million dollar condos, just beautiful. So I grew up there and um, I, uh, you know, roofing houses, going fishing, all that stuff. And then and, and when I went to college, I had a football scholarship to Missouri Valley College, all the way in Missouri. So I went there for a semester, didn't know what I wanted to do, and uh, ended up coming back that first semester and went to a community college. Then I went to University of Alabama and tried to walk on. And then uh, I failed a history class. And I was like, fuck college. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I it might be for some people. I made one C in high school. Like, yeah. and I literally had my head on my desk sleeping the whole time. Mm -hmm. It was just so easy. But in, in college, especially history class, it was just so I was like, all right, there's this real estate thing. Let me try. Let me let me go to this little class. And um, 
when I went to the, to the, and like, man, like my mom and dad always wanted me to do real estate and stuff, you know? So like I, we knew real estate agents and stuff. My mom owned a hair salon. So she cut a bunch of their hair. And, um, when I went to the class, like I thought I could get a real estate license and it would like be stamped on my like driver's license, like yeah. a motorcycle license or something. And I could, <laughs> <laughs> I could just forever sell real estate and make money if I wanted to, or I, I could, if I wanted to, I don't have to, like, I didn't realize there were like fees and continuing ed and all this stuff. And so when I'm going to the, the, the class and learning all this, I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even know if I want to even do this shit. Like I, I wasn't committed to it. And, sure. um, you know, it's like, you got to pass the class 90 days. You got to find a broker 66 months. You got to do your post license and you got to, I'm like, damn. So I got to, I, I passed the class <laughs> barely, bro. Like a, with a literally, literally a 70. Cause I was following widespread panic around the country. And I, uh, yeah. Widespread yeah. panic. Okay. Yeah. They're kind of like the new age, like grateful dead. Okay. When you say widespread panic and you're talking about real estate, my brain goes into all the drama today. <laughs> well, so I just wanted to banned. clarify yeah. just yeah. in case yeah. Yeah. there weren't yeah. avid it's followers. It's like a Grateful Dead type band. Yeah. I can't believe you guys never heard mm -hmm. of it. But um, now we're going to have to go check them out. We, uh, well, they're like gone now. They're so old. Like it's, it's like, but okay, now so you're like, making both of us feel old. So. <laughs> I came back to the beach and I was like, I don't know if I want to do real estate. So I'm like, all right. So I get on a roof and I'm, I'm doing roofs with, with dad. And, um, after about three days, I was like, I'm going to try the real estate thing. <laughs> You're like, I, I don't know if I want to do this, but I know I don't want to do that. Exactly. Right? One of those. Yeah. And like, he yeah. was like, at the time he was like in his late thirties, maybe, you know, what, what was he? He was, where was he? was like in his early forties, something uh -huh. like, yeah, he was in his early forties. Cause I was 20. And, um, so I, so I took, I went and took the state test and I passed it and I was like, dad, Adios, amigos. Bye, dude. <laughs> yeah. Not doing roofs anymore. I'm, I go into real estate full time day one. After that first month, how many you think I sold? First month? Mm -hmm. Well, it's either going to be really big or really low. So absolutely uh, nothing. Sold a big. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say I was going to go the zero route. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was yeah. like, Dad, I'm yeah, back so on the roof. Good to see you, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where are you at, Dad? Yeah. So I go back and I'm roofing and doing real estate and it took me eight months from getting my license to, you know, get a couple of listings and, you know, close some deals. But, uh, and really honestly, like without even lying, that first deal was my grandmother's condo. Mm -hmm. Um, she takes sweet, one though. Rest, mm -hmm. rest in peace. She, she hooked me up with that. And then I got my first listing. I actually closed on both of those on the exact first day, the exact same day. My first commission was a double, a double deal. And, uh, then I was like, see you dad. So then I'm doing real estate, closing about two a month. Then the market blows up because this is 02 when I got in mm. and uh, <sighs> like 03 and 04. Just yeah, blew first. Up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. It was crazy. I didn't even like I, I literally I thought that's how real estate was done. I was making like, you know, million bucks. And I was like, I'm a, I'm a real estate mogul. <laughs> and um, then 2008 hit. Well, so I, I, I took the money. And I started flipping houses. Mm hmm. And I was doing real estate, like hardcore commissions, taking the money and flipping houses, taking the money I was using flipping houses to flip more houses. And I kept just flipping up and I was just no, no doc loans, just borrowing like a million bucks, like sight unseen, like, here you go. And uh, then the market started to turn in 05. So I sold my last condo in like January 05 and nothing between 05 and 08. Uh, May of 08 was my first deal when I got back in. And, um, you got out in right time. <laughs> so I was flipping, um, and selling and like just the whole thing flipped out. Like the whole rug was pulled out sure. from under mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, Hey dad, <laughs> <you're> <laughs> I'm back on the roof. <laughs> I'm back. So I, I went back roofing and, um, actually got a job on an oil rig. So dur during that time I was literally like everything went away. Like I lost my cars, my houses, everything. The only bills I had was my cell phone and my MLS dues and my license. That's the only thing I paid. I had no utilities, no rent, no car. No, no. One of my friends gave me their beat up car. It was a Ford contour and like the brake lights didn't work. I had to ride the, I, I, the, 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 the tail lights didn't work. I had to ride the brakes when I saw a cop just to like uh -huh. some kind of lights back there. <laughs> and, um, boom box in the back. Cause the radio didn't work. Couldn't get in the passenger seat, had to go in the driver door, all that stuff. And I was actually slept in that car 
uh, several different nights. Of course, I was partying, drinking every night too during that time. And then in two, I, I was roofing. And then in 2007, I got a job on an oil rig in Mississippi. So every other week, I'm like, yes, I have a place to live. <laughs> so I would leave Gulf Shores and drive like three hours to this oil rig in the middle of Mississippi and work there every other week. And uh, I was making like five G's a month doing that. And it was like every other week. So I'm like, oh, here's my chance to get back into real estate. I've got a week off every other week to put into real estate. But what I didn't account for was it takes you about a week to recover from a, a week <laughs> on the oil rig. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's wild <laughs> out there, dude. Yeah. And I uh, and they flip it every time. Like one one week, you're six to six in, the, in during the day. The next week, you come back, you're six to six all night. Overnight. So it was just kind of a mess but i feel but, like this is a common story though like people come into the industry from various other avenues trying to figure things out and then also like we were all we were all there in 2008 there was nothing fun about that time frame so people are complaining about the past few years you have no idea <laughs> what it, it was hard, like in 08 it's, <laughs> it's hard for me to even like i can go back and imagine what i was going through but yeah. it's 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 really hard to get that real feeling of like sure. real like uh fear you know yeah, well you kind of i mean is it fair to say you hit bottom and you were like shit this sucks I did. like yeah, yeah i was like i'm sleeping in my car yeah after i'd made millions on uh you, you know, made it all and you lost it all and you're back your penny i mean thought so i was tell like tell us that fired. story then how did you how did you come back from from that how did where did you so I mean, that's in 2002 when i got in there was this guy in my office um, his name was Scott and he just dear life friend at this point. I, I met him like a couple times before I got into real estate. So like we knew each other, but it's like funny. Like I saw him in the office the first day I showed up and like, there's this guy I've met a couple of times and hmm. he showed me how to like find property owners, what to say, letters to write, how to find their phone numbers, lingo to try to get them to, you know, list or sell or whatever, and really helped me get going. And, uh, I mean, he was, he was like the guy that helped me get going. And in 2006, 2006, I, uh, well, no, when I was on the oil rig and it was like mid 2007, I was still had MLS. It was literally one of the only bills I kept paying. Cause I was keeping up with the market and trying to figure sure. out, you know, where I went wrong. Cause like, I'm the most honest, hardworking guy. I know how come I lost it all. Mm. And this guy, Scott, he sold 36, I want to say, properties in 2006. And this was like the deadest year for us down. Like mm -hmm. it was like people left the business left and right. Nobody was selling anything. This dude sold 36 Gulf front condos, not even like primary homes that people need. Like this is like Gulf front <laughs> condos. Homes, yeah. Like people yeah. don't need yeah. a condo. Like yeah. Yeah. he yeah. sold 36 of them. And um, so I went to him and I was like, you know, tell me what's up. Like, you you know, how did you do that? On. Yeah. So the, I'm on the oil rig. It's halfway through 07. And in 02, he taught me phone calls, emails, and postcards. So fast forward to mid-2007, and he's like, man, come over to the house. I'll show you everything I'm doing and, uh, you know, help you. You know, if you want to take what I'm doing and run with it, go for it. So I go over there, and guess what he told me? Phone calls, emails, and emails, postcards. postcards. <laughs> same, same stuff he told you before. Thing, right? Yeah. The yeah. only difference was he had a different messaging behind it. Mm-hmm. Now he was talking about, hey, you know, the beaches are just as beautiful and it's half the price right now. Mm. And uh, that's what really clicked. And so I started actually you can't do this anymore, which you guys know. I bought like a million emails mm. yeah, and I sure. segregated the ones out in the southeast. People that I thought might vacation to Gulf Shores because like we have mm. about 30,000 population. And we have about eight and a half million visitors every year come to wow. our wow. beaches in Gulf yeah. Shores and Orange Beach. Yeah. That's yeah. more than Hawaii, by the way. I, I was mm. looking at the um, stats. Like we have more people come here than Hawaii on a yearly basis. Um, so we have a huge, like it's a huge vacation second home investment area. So I took all these emails and I took out the South. I, I took states I thought would vacation here and I just randomly emailed them, you know, in bulk. And uh, it took me forever because like back then with Yahoo, I could do 100 per email five times an hour. So I literally had Microsoft Outlook set up where I literally copy had paste, five points out every hour automatically. It would I would like spend hours setting it all up to where it would go out like for three or four days. And I would leave my computer where it wasn't hibernating somehow. And it would just be shooting them out like 24 hours a day, one an hour. Well, it was actually five emails an hour. 
um, a hundred, a hundred people per email. But you're willing to do the things that most people aren't willing to do. There's, you have to, you just have to do stuff, right? Yeah. So the email was like, Hey, Gulf Shores, 50% off. Here's pictures of the beach. It still looks the same. Come on down. Come talk to me. <laughs> right. So I did a million emails in 08, uh, between 07 and 08, a thousand people emailed me back and 20 people bought something. Hmm. So in 2008, when Obama came in, there's a lot of stuff that happened in the oil industry and they started laying people off. And I was the last person out of 52 people in my position out of like eight rigs. They, they held on to me as long as possible, but eventually, you know, had to let me go. Mm -hmm. I got laid off in, I remember all this, like it was yesterday. It was June. I got laid off in 08 and, uh, I had, I had two closings coming up in May. And I had to borrow 500 bucks from my dad the week before those two closings just to make it through to those closings the next week. And it was two closings. It was weird because like the first closing I had ever was all was two of them on the same day. And then fast forward <laughs> to when I got back in the business in 08, I closed on two coming back in the business on the same day. Hmm. But here, here's the bottom line right here. What I learned through all that, and I'll tell you the rest of the story. But what I realized was that closings happen every day, regardless of market conditions, uh, no matter what's happening. And so I, when I started to realize that, because a lot of agents feel like the their business is correlated to the market. If the market's down, their business is, is down or even get wiped out. It can't get wiped out. It can fluctuate with these mm -hmm. big market swings and cycles. Mm -hmm. And you might have to deal with a little fluctuation here and there. But it doesn't take you out of the game. And, and honestly, like these newer agents and people that are still building, they can actually sell way more properties when the market's down because the year before was, you know, a small year for them because they were still building. Like I know a lot of agents that have like doubled and tripled their sales this year, not right. because they didn't go from like a million to three million. They went from like 30,000 to 90,000. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, it doesn't matter, you know, with the market, if you can detach yourself from worrying about what the market and I didn't know that, you know, when the when the when the when the big thing happened. But I tell you how detached I was and how focused I was on my goal. I didn't even know that the stock market crashed in 2008. <laughs> no idea. No idea. I didn't know until I started investing in stocks in like 2016 and started really understanding and investigating and trying to figure out where to put money and stuff. Um, then I kind of looked back and realized, oh my God, you I'm know, like, oh, that like, was kind of bad. <laughs> I was so focused on just making a million a year at that time that I, I literally focused everything out. Like I didn't do any social media. I, I, I never touched social media in my real estate business. Um, I didn't start doing social media until I wanted to build the coaching business. Mm -hmm. And uh, by then I'd already built my real estate business. So all, everything I learned was social media. Um, you know, I kind of decided, do I want to spend social media time and effort on my local market? Or do I want to take that same time and, and build a global brand instead of more of a local brand? But anyway, um, that was, well, let's talk, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Cause I think yeah. that's a really interesting segue. So you went from coming back you've obviously been very successful and you got into coaching and I was looking at your numbers of a hundred thousand followers on YouTube, 250,000 plus followers on Instagram, 50,000 followers on Facebook. <laughs> um, how the hell did you pull all that off? Like where did, where did that concept start of doing social mm -hmm. media around this coaching business that just blew up to, these are big numbers, like really big yeah. numbers. So the um so and so when I got back in in 08 and I realized that it, it's about like closings happen every day. So then I then I had to like think okay, how can I like okay, okay, happen every day, but how do I actually how how do, how do I represent the people that are doing these deals? Okay? So then I had to reverse engineer. And then what I realized was that people do business with people that they that like at the end of a deal, I'll, I'll see I'll see how you guys answer this. At the end of a deal, you ask a buyer or a seller, you say, hey, how did you pick your agent? How did you, you know, how did you decide on your agent? What do you think the most common answer is? Uh, repeater referral, Re right? Repeater referral. Mm -hmm. For me, what I, what I, you know, and, and coming from a person that doesn't have clients to like have repeats and referrals, what does mm -hmm. that mean to me? Well, what that means to me is they had a friend in the business. Like if yeah. you, 
if, 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 you know, who are you going to refer somebody that you feel like is really going to take care of, of, of your friend that you're referring and treat them like friend or family. Mm -hmm. So when I started to think about this, it was like, wait a minute, people choose their agent because they, they feel like it's somebody that, that, you know, they have a friend in the business or somebody that they feel like is with. really yeah. going to take care of them. So then I started to think about this relationship thing. And that if I would have maintained, see back in 03, when things were selling like that, and the seller was literally disappearing because they weren't going to rebuy into a market for 300,000 more than what they just bought it for and resold it for. They're like, I'm out. I got my 300,000 and I'm gone. I didn't have to maintain any relationships. I could just call mm. 20 people, 20 more sellers and say, hey, who sure. wants to make 300 grand today? Pop a funnel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And then and then I would make 20 grand and do it again and again. I didn't have to build any relationships or maintain anything. And that's literally why I lost it all. Mm. So then I had to just kind of put all this together like a puzzle. And then I was like, I got it. Like build relationships, lifelong relationships with people. Don't care if they do anything with you today because they'll refer everybody to you tomorrow right. and don't worry about the market. So then I just, then I just blew up and I, I got to where I was selling a hundred properties. I could, I could expand on this in detail a little bit about how I got to the hundred deals. Cause it's kind of an interesting deal. But when I got to the hundred deals, that was 2014 and I was just a single agent, one assistant. That's when I was number one with Remax in Alabama. And then I maintained that hundred deals for eight years in a row, all the way to 22 to 2021. Um, in 22, I stepped out of production, but in 2017, that was the first year I did a million. That's the first year that the price point got up to the point where mm -hmm. that hundred deals produced a million. And, um, that was the moment because I watched the agents die calling expireds and for sale by owners. There were two right. that got into their, their older years and literally passed away calling expireds and for sale by owners. And I was like, oh my gosh. And these were legends. These were guys, these were mentors of mine that I loved. Mm -hmm. And they were literally like, you know, so-and-so is, 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 is on, you know, he's going to pass away. And the next day he's in the office. Like he gets the news he's going to die soon. And he's in the office the next day making calls, calling for sell by owners. And I'm like, what are you doing? Right. So I go to the broker and I'm like, what is he doing? And he's like, he's trying to make as much as he can before he dies to leave his spouse. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not where I, I want to yeah. be. That's not a life, life you want to live. Yeah. So when I hit the million in January 1st hit, and that million for the year went back to zero for the year, like mm -hmm. in a like that. And I was like, now I got to climb this million dollar mountain again. That was daunting. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, this sell stuff is not, this is not where I, this is not for me. I want to, I got to build, I need to build passive. I need to build residual. I need to build massive businesses. And that's when I, you know, thought about how uniquely I built the real estate business compared to like mainstream coaching and training. Um, just complete opposite. Cause I'm like, don't worry about the deal. Like focus on what they want to do, why they want to do it, when they want to do it. Don't care about if they're going to do it. You know, a lot of these coaching and training programs are just trying to set appointments, handle objections, get them to sign the line. And that's what literally makes prospects run away from you. And I'm the exact opposite. So I'm like, let me write a book about how I did this and my story and how it all happened. And I wrote two books actually in 2017 and they just took off. And it was my attempt to try to get my foot in the door of a business outside of sales. Sure. And mm -hmm. so then I started coaching. Um, and so, you know, I could kind of keep and going. This is zero to, zero to diamond, right? This is the coaching business. Yeah. So the first yeah. book was zero to diamond. Okay. Then I wrote list to last. And uh, then I just started coaching. So what I did it's the same thing, man. Like you see a pattern with, with everything I do. I, uh, when I got back in an 08, I bought all those emails and like emailed them all. Well, it's the kind of the same thing I did here. I started out, there were like several coaches online. There was, there was like, um, I, I want to name their names. There was a coach that had like Facebook groups. There were, there were several of them on, on YouTube. There were like these up and coming guys. And you looked at them and you're like, wow, like, this is a thing. This real estate coaching thing's a thing. And so I just paid attention to everything they were doing and try to like put together something that I could do. And one thing was Facebook groups. So credit to Facebook group is still there, zero to diamond. And, um, what I did, what I realized was that Facebook would allow me to just friend people. And if they friend me back, I can literally add them into the group without them even like, I sure. can just force them into the group. 
Sure. So it's like bingo. So I literally just searched real estate agent and just went bing, 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 bing for like 30 yeah. minutes every day. Like bing, 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 just, just friending <laughs> like random agents. <laughs> and then if they friended me back, I would just add them to the group. And now they're in the group. And now when I post, they're actually seeing like my rhetoric. And like what I'm what I'm saying about you know, the industry and stuff like that. And then a lot but of you're are, but you're like grassroots on this. I mean, you're just very like grassroots. Yeah, you don't give a shit and you're just running through figuring yeah. out how to add yeah. people in content and then yes. I'm I'm I just think, trying to I'm trying to like I'm trying to grow as fast as possible. I'm not trying to like, you know, hang out and just kind of, I'm trying to really <laughs> blow up right now and just get as and, and even if I have to literally do each one one by one to get there, I'm that I'm willing to do whatever it takes, right? Now, now that you're where you are, do you have a marketing spend for social media retargeting to try to get more people into your ecosystem? Or Ads is it all? Stuff, you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or retargeting or whatever. No, not no, not yet. I uh I do trust me, I spent a lot of money on ads and 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 a lot, dude. I <laughs> I could tell you guys so many things, but I um the bottom line was I started out charging for coaching. It was mm -hmm. like 50 bucks a month. I tried a thousand one time. I tried a bunch of different models and um, it all kind of fell on its face for two reasons. One, I was new. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and two, I didn't have really have a big following at the time. And, and three, agents are really cheap. And like, <laughs> I, I, well, it, it, honestly, and, and like the big influencers will tell you this real estate agents are kind of the worst audience to have in terms of trying to monetize stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you should, we should send this podcast out to most of the Silicon Valley <laughs> venture funds so that they understand uh, our, but our the industry. thing is, is like, I lost everything. And like, um, like I know how like the struggling agents feel. And I just wanted yeah. so bad you, when I was 10 years old, I had this vision that I was going to be really great at something, make a mm -hmm. ton of money and turn around and help people at 10 mm -hmm. years old. I didn't know it was going to be real estate or whatever. But this is literally the same path that I you know, saw, visualized myself happening when I was little. But I uh, hmm. like I started out charging and I would have 300 agents uh, sign up for a webinar. A hundred would show up and like one or two would buy. And we're talking right. like $50. OK. Mm -hmm. And so like my mind started going, wait a minute, 300 agents wanted some help. A hundred agents really wanted some help enough to actually they showed show up. up in time. And only two people get to see the goods over here. That's because most of them are roofers, Ricky. So <laughs> that, that I understand. That was and a joke, you know by the when, way. But when, when, when I was a roofer, I wouldn't give anybody any money either. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. We right. talk about this all the time. There's so many people with really good intention in the industry. The barrier to entry is so low that. Yeah, there's just a lot of people that can get into it, but you and I both know, and obviously with your success in the industry, we're, we're talking really the top 10% do most of the business. Most of it. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is the top 10% yeah. were once new and struggling a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah. I'm trying to get a whole, you know, how many agents I have that are like number ones in their state, number ones in their office, like so many that have went, that started with my stuff when they were new and struggling yeah. or whatever. And now they're one of the top agents out there. But my point is, is when I realized that all these people wanted help, nobody would pay anything. That's when I was like, I'm going to go free. And so that's I, how you started with all this content. Just well, well, now I was already putting out a lot of content. Got it. Content okay. has evolved over time. So I was already putting out content and trying to like figure out how to grow on social. How many, how many episodes have you put out, by the way? How much, how much stuff have you put out? So on, your on the podcast, it's over a thousand. Oh on YouTube, God. it's over, it's, it's around 2000. And then dude, I don't even Instagram is probably, I think I have like, I think it says on there, it's like 5,000 posts on Instagram. How do you come up with the ideas for content? I want to relate this back to the viewers and audience in a second, but like, how are you coming up with the content? Is it just somebody asks you a question? Well, you're like, it's be really good. Well, the, to well, the about. first thing, I think the first thing you have to do with content is figure out what do you want to happen? Hmm. Right? Like what's the goal with the content? Are you trying to build a business? What are you trying to like relay? Where do you want people to go? Is, is right. there is there a reason for it? Are you just trying to like get followers? Like, what do you want to happen? Because it based on what you want to happen tells me what what where to go with the the type of content, the format sure. of content, and everything else. If I don't know, and that's why a lot of people are like, well, you know, how do I make content, and what do I talk about? I'm like, well, tell me what you want to happen first, 
Right. And then we can kind of reverse engineer kind of some mm -hmm. ideas around what you're trying to, what you're trying to see. Social media is, is, man, it's so incredible because you can literally think of anything that you want to happen in this world <laughs> and you can make it happen on social right. media. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you, <laughs> you can do you good, bad, like the good, evil, good, like bad, anything. and ugly. All you three. can do anything <laughs> you want to. You can make it happen. But um, what, what's your content plan? Like, because you push out a lot of content. <laughs> I follow you on Instagram, so I so see it's always your posts. changing. Like it's Is, always it's always changing. Like, dude, right. I okay. Like in the beginning, it was like one a day, mm -hmm. right? One a day, every platform, one a day, and then it got to where okay, different platforms want different stuff. So then I went to multiple times on some platforms and still one a day on some platforms. Mm -hmm. um, for a long time, it was strictly coaching stuff, which doesn't do great. It does okay. It doesn't like go, it doesn't go viral. None viral. of that coaching stuff goes viral. Right. Like you can have the very best business advice on planet earth. <laughs> no one listens. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't go viral. Right. And then you do like a picture of, you know, your, your family on Christmas and it gets like 1 million views. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I posted yeah, a picture so. of how ugly the Cybertruck is in my opinion. And like out of all the stuff I've posted in the past 30 days, yeah, that that's the up. one that everybody wants to talk about. So, yeah. Yeah. so they have to understand how social media works in that way and how the consumer actually consumes the content. And then you, and then you know, it's just levels. And then you start to realize, okay, I got to mix it up between the Cybertruck type content and the coaching mm -hmm. content to kind of mm -hmm. get, because like right. the Cybertruck content will bring new people into your ecosystem sure. to see the coaching stuff. And so like, um, like on the, on YouTube, you know, the breaking news type stuff, mm -hmm. especially the stuff I did when I was covering the trials and everything like that brought so many new subscribers in. Sure. Right. And then now I'm back to just doing my coaching stuff, um, which, you know, it doesn't get near the engagement and views and everything, but it's bringing the value and I'm continuing right. to build my businesses. Same thing on Instagram, the green screen articles, you know, that I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get, you know, I've got some of those that have, you know, millions of views. And then the coaching stuff gets like 10,000 views. Right. Um, right. But the coaching stuff is so valuable, but you have to mix it up. So for so long, I was just doing coaching stuff. Like I would do four or five a day, just coaching reels that were great, like yeah. awesome. <laughs> and, but I wasn't growing hardly at all, you know? Mm. And, and, and like, as far as like me now, the, when I grew, like when I, when I, when I had that growth spurt, you know, where like Instagram really took off and YouTube really took off, it was when I was doing live calls. So what, what but like before I stepped out of production, I would literally film live stream my, mm. my prospecting calls. And I mean, People I would love do it. those. Like, People I would have love weekly. watching those. Yeah. yeah, I would have weekly shows. I would do ran I would do it randomly, and I would make these. Uh, and they were just not. They were not staged. They were not scripted. They were not anything. They were real, real as can mm -hmm. be. And that's when I had like the biggest growth spurt was when I went through that stage where I was doing all those live calls. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I kind of started taper off of doing that, you know, I just kind of. You know, it kind of it kind of like really grew quickly and then it plateaued and then it's just kind of been a trickle. And then something will happen like the trials where I have something to really say and it'll yeah, have another sure. growth spurt. It'll yeah. plateau out for a while and stuff. So and, and I, it's, I'm I, assuming these numbers. Sorry, Keith, go ahead. That's you, right. You okay. okay. Yeah. I, I'm noticing a theme right in <clears throat> in you. And I'd love to dig a little deeper on that. It's this sort of. I mean, I think you're being a little uh, humble, sort of all shucks folksy. I, I, you know, I kind of don't have a plan. My intuition is you do, <laughs> but um, you, you've got this sort of start, don't stop, keep going. And there's, it's never a straight line in business. And you might have to work on a rig for a while to keep the lights on until you crack the code <laughs> on, but you never stop trying yeah. to crack the code and moving yeah. and advancing it forward. Right. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from for you and how do you harness that? That's my question. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good one because I don't know if it's like DNA, mm -hmm. honestly, mm -hmm. I don't know. If it's, I don't know if you can like give somebody that ambition. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if somebody can Tenacity. develop to, the, mm -hmm. to develop that like ambition. Like 
I go to the gym every day at six o'clock. Like I never, even when I'm on vacation or doing an event, like I never miss different Mm. time zones. Like it doesn't matter. It's I'm not going to miss at all. Um, it's just stuff like that. I don't know where that comes from. Cause I know a lot of people are like, I can't, you know, they give up after a month or two or they do it for or they say, I can't believe you get up that early. It's like, I go to the gym at six. It's not, it's not three, not four. You know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. honestly, I don't know, man. I think I just but there's I there's some people who would look at it right, and they would see the. You know, I'm I'm just anchoring back into that rig story, right? Going to the oil rig. Well, that would be failure, quote unquote, right? But it doesn't feel like you processed it as that. You know it what was, happened back then? Yeah, tell me. Oh, dude, man, it. I I literally what lost it flipping houses. Okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't mm-hmm. from the like real estate commissions. Now, if yeah. I would have realized that closings never stop and it's about relationships over transactions, sure. I could have kept selling and like done yeah. did fine. I didn't know yeah. that. So the but the, the commissions and my real estate agent business isn't what took me out of the game. It was the flipping the houses and all the debt. I did like a million and a half worth of debt when all yeah. this like happened. And the, the literally the, the the equity I had over what I owed literally evaporate or evaporated so fast, like literally mm-hmm. in, it felt like weeks. There was nothing I could do to like sell the houses quickly to like get mm-hmm. the profit or I barely yeah. sold houses to get what I paid and lost a couple to foreclosure. But you know what? There were guys that were 40, 50 and 60 years old right next to me when I was in my mid 20s when this Doing happened. Doing the same thing. Yeah. They, they lost everything mm-hmm. in their like 40s and 50s. Harder and to restart. I, then. Yeah. I was in my 20s. And I looked at that situation at the time and I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I was so freaking happy sure. um, that I, I knew that what I was going to, I didn't know what I was going to learn out of that whole thing, but I knew that mm-hmm. whatever it was, was going to set me up to where I could go really do some big things. Um, but you got to realize too, I was in my twenties. I was having fun. I was going out every night. I didn't care mm-hmm. about much at all. Right. Um, and, and I was just like living it up. I had no house, no car, like no bills. <laughs> and I, I, I was roofing houses and serving tables at night. Dude, yeah. I was so dark. My skin and stuff was, I'm like part Indian. And I, from roofing, I was so dark. And I was serving tables at this seafood place in Gulf Shores where people come on vacation. Mm-hmm. So they come in there and then I come running up to their table and I like literally look like an Islander. Like I look like I'm from like somewhere in the Caribbean or something. <laughs> and uh, they would always get their pictures with me in the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like there's pictures like of me, like where you wouldn't even recognize me floating around out there somewhere from 30 years ago. But um, but I was roofing and serving tables. I didn't have any bills. Like, why was I working two jobs? Right. And I had zero <laughs> bills. Right. 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 Um. But I was working three nights a week at that restaurant and I outsold every they gave me an award for selling the most food when mm-hmm. other people work in doubles and working six days a week and shit. I was working three nights, not even right. during the day after I roofed houses all day because I was like so efficient, like I could figure out what they wanted to drink, get it, like make them laugh, get their honey mustard. Like I, I just crushed it. And I don't know where that comes from. Do you it think that tenacity that you have of just how you've been able to do all the things that I think a lot of people would be like, Oh, I'm, I'm too good to do this or I'm too good to do that. Or I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go call. Dude, I've seen people lose their job and I'm like, dude, why don't you, okay. Start at McDonald's, like mm-hmm. make more hamburgers than anybody. And then you'll, <laughs> and then like, look for another job while you're on that. Like you, my dad told me you never quit a job. You just add to it, mm-hmm. which meant you don't like your job. Find another job, but don't quit this job yet. Find another job, have two jobs. If you like the second one better, Give the other one up. Now this was your main one. Now look for another one that's better, right? Yeah. And I've yeah. always had two jobs. Like I have yeah. two jobs now. Like I've never not had two jobs. Mm-hmm. How did you get? So does this tenacity tie over into like your guests? I mean, you had Grant Cordone on your show, which is like a you know it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's like Keith was saying you were being humble earlier. Um, how do you start that conversation? Besides, I mean, you obviously have a following, which helps. But I mean, did you just reach out? You upload like, a I mean, thousand popular people's email and you <laughs> just start hitting the send. Yeah. Like, how did you yeah. pull that off? Just curious to get. Honestly, some- like for Grant, it was kind of strange because we went back and forth. And then um, did you just reach out to him, though. Like, did you I just- did. Yeah, I reached out to him. I want to have you on my pod. Honestly, at the time, the blue check meant something because now Mm -hmm. you can pay 11 bucks a month. But at the time when I when I reached out to him first, the first time, like if you had a blue check, it meant something. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Right. I had a blue check at the time. And so um, now it doesn't mean anything. But um, but at the time it did. So when I hit him on with the blue check, then, you know, he we started going back and forth. And um, so he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, contact so and so. So we had all this stuff set up like a year or two ago. We had all this stuff set up. And then like he pulled out like the day before the day of and I never got to answer why. So I don't know if like they saw something in my content or thought I was going to try to like, you know, Amb ambush yeah, bull, like, like sucker punch him or something. Yeah. And then um, and then years later, um, I um, his his uh, I, I think it's his chief it's somebody that's high up with uh, Cardone Capital, Ryan, um, he started following me. And then we started connecting and he loves my content. And then I had him on and I was like, give me grant. He's like, no problem. Done. And he, and then the same girl that I contacted, they were like, Oh, do you want to do the show with Graham? I'm like, yeah, here I am a year later. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Same like so I did last time. So yeah. Then when we got on, like, I don't know if you watched the thing or whatever, but like it, I think he thought there was a chance, especially when I started talking about like buying a home. Cause he's against, you know, people buying houses. I didn't, I think he, I think he, what he didn't know where I was going to go with that. If I was going to try to like be hard on him about it, but I literally do not care that he says don't buy a home. Right. And, um, we just kind of had fun with it, but now we're buddies. So now when I, now when I contact him, it's like, Oh, you know, we we're buddies now. But, um, I had Patrick bet David on though. So I actually flew down and did him in person. You know him? I don't I know of him, but, Oh yeah. He's just as big as Grant. I mean, he's getting to where he's big. Like he's he's real big. He's getting into politics and stuff now. But um, went went and did him in person, which was really cool. I did him. Who else did I do? I did Ryan Serhan. You just times. reached out to them though. Like you just this. I this, did. This, I reached like, out to Patrick. Know, I was yeah. surprised. He was like, "Yeah, mm -hmm. let's let's do it." And what they all these big guys have a vetting process where they have somebody that you reach out to, and what they do is they vet you. You know, they look at all your socials, they go through some videos, they kind of like try to really figure out, okay, is this going to be a good fit for, for our guy to go on? Sure. And, you know, of course. Are they going to ambush yeah. him? Is, is this a good person? Are they, yeah. is their following big enough to where it matters makes and stuff sense. like that? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, let's switch to this because I know you, uh, especially from, uh, uh, you know, from the coaching side of it, you know, you're, you're you're kind of, I'm assuming a little bit bullish on January and getting stuff moving for the new year. So what are you telling all of your agents right now that you're coaching? Like, what is there, what is the whole, what's the whole thing they should be doing right now? What's your thoughts on 2024? Let's go down that road a little bit. Yeah. So like the, um, I mean, you know, I don't know exactly when this is going to air, but like right now it is December 4th and starting last week. Okay. The week after Thanksgiving, you literally have four full weeks with no mm -hmm. holidays. Okay. Christmas is that fifth week on a Monday. You literally have four full work weeks. And what we normally see is agents kind of slow down because, you know, yeah. it's the end of the year they hit their goals or maybe they're just like, what's the, what's the point? Nobody's buying anything, whatever. But like these four weeks, okay. Starting last week. So now you got two and a half left, right? This second are the most crucial three or four weeks of 2024 yeah and they're not even in 2024 mm -hmm. because like you it, it's it's slow right now and you literally have time to like build your database up a little more like add a little to it pick up a couple more listings you need to be like smashing as many listings as you can before the first because after january 1st everything's going under contract right every year like if you look at data you'll see like the first week or two of january pending deals they start they start out down right the line starts going down and then about the first second week it kind of levels out and just starts going up and then by right? by valentine's day it's ripping again right? and then by like february okay what that tells me is january 1st people uh, i bet you home searches on google and zillow shoot up january 1st right they're looking and they're saying okay it's a new year what are we gonna do honey and they start searching and then they go look within like, you know, January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, they make a, they make an offer and by like, you know, the 5th, 6th, 7th, 10th, they're under contract, pending deals, shoot up. Mm -hmm. And then what do you see? 30 days later, the first and second week of February, every single year for like the last, as far back as you want to go, you see sell, you see the transactions 
the transactions go like this all the way to the first or second week of February, and then they go boop, and they just mm. spike. And so yeah. we know it's going to happen. Right. All right. Pending deals are going to spike first or second week from people looking at properties in the first week of January. And then those closings are going to happen first, second week of February. Everything's going under contract, but it's 10 times worse right now because you've got all this pent up demand of people yeah. that have been sitting on the sidelines or first time mm -hmm. home buyers and the trade up, the trade up sellers. And now we also have a year and a half of these higher rates that people are starting to get used to. Now we're starting to get some relief on the rates from 8% to, you know, they're around seven or whatever. Now, do I think that'll continue? I don't know. And I don't care. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because you, you've got, you've got, um, new construction. You can get cheaper rates. Um, you've got, um, well, there's still going to be 4 million people that sell their house or buy a house anyway. So like you can have the same like, number. The yeah. pent up demand, bro, right now real. is more than we've it's ever, huge. we, we have yeah. never even, you even go back to the baby boomer years where they're, you know, the population really took off. Like, I don't think, I think that that doesn't even hold a candle. I don't believe to this because you've got all those first time home buyers, which is about half of what the baby boomer generation was at the time with the 33 and 34 year olds right now. But the trade up sellers that have been sitting there dying to, to get a house with an extra bedroom or get out of this old house, get a new house or be on the water or whatever is just so massive that people don't even realize it. And so I just think this January is going to be one of the busiest we've seen in a long, long time, regardless of rates. And, um, I think right now, you, like, when do you take advantage of a market surging? You know, while it's surging or before? Yeah, before, okay. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's right now. For you sure, know? For yeah. Sure. You got to position yourself. That. Yeah, you got to position yourself. You can't start pat. I don't know why I'm using a surfing analogy because if you can imagine me surfing, it's hilarious. But you can't start paddling when it's the wave gets there, visual. right? You got to start paddling when you see the wave coming to to catch it. So you can't and we just know it's packing. coming. And dude, it it's looks coming. exactly like a wave. When you look at the data of pending deals, it literally looks exactly like a wave. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes yeah. just like this. Yeah. Well, certainly all of the signs are pointing to, let's hope, you know, a better 2024 with rates and stuff. Keith, all right. Well, we got a, one last question for you. Keith yes. always asks this to close out our pod and uh, give a good opportunity for everybody to hear what you would be doing. Yeah. So right with now, what so. you said, right, this is the time February is coming. If you were an agent or a broker, what was the one thing you'd implement today to prepare yourself for this uh, coming January and February? And get very tactile for us. Like, go do this. This is what yeah. I would do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you want me to tell you what I do day to day? You mean? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Like, oh yeah. here's yeah. what I here's well, what I here's what you should do right now. Yeah. I mean, well, again, once you realize the like the basics, the basic fundamentals of it, okay, it's like poker. You can like you can teach someone the game in a, in, a, in ten minutes, but it takes a lifetime to really learn how to do it. It's mm. kind of the same thing. Like you, I can tell you exactly what to do here, like how to talk to people and where to find them and all that. But it's going to take you a while to kind of build up to it. But you got to just go for it right. because the quicker you like the the real top producer, the people that really succeed, it's just levels. And those really high producing people, they bust through those levels really fast and keep going. The low producers get stuck. You know, it's like cold calls, for example. You know, there's stages. There's I'm scared. Then they make a call and they're like, okay, they didn't kill me. And then they they make a few more calls and they're like, okay, this isn't so bad. And then they're like, okay, um, you know, I'm making the calls, but what do I say? And then there's the, okay, I know what to say, but how do I say it? And then there's the reading the other people on the phone. Those are stages that you go through as a cold caller and, mm -hmm. and the top producers just bust right through them. They're like, I'm scared. Okay, let me make a call. Okay, this is cool. It's not going to kill me. What do I say? All right, how mm -hmm. do I say it? They just kind of bust right through it where mo most people get stuck somewhere. Like, I'm scared, not going to do it. And they stop right there. Or they get yeah. they, they get to the part where like, okay, it didn't kill me, but I don't really like it. So I'm not going to do it anymore. You just got to go. But what you should do is this. If you think about lead generation and you think about all the things that that legion all the different legion activities you know there's social media open houses zillow cold calling um mm. you know sphere of influence door knocking you know meeting people in public networking events whatever everything right what's the one thing that every single legion activity comes back to every single time follow up yeah it's a real live conversation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it's the gatekeeper of every single deal mm. 
I, I did a thousand deals total as an agent. And there was one deal I did where I never talked to the person. He was overseas. He emailed me. We went back and forth. We got the deal done. Never talked to him. Right. Out of a thousand deals, I did one deal where I never actually talked to the person. Okay. Mm -hmm. So no matter what your lead gen is, it always comes back to this same thing, a real life conversation with somebody. Nothing, nothing gets around that. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't care what you do. So then when I realized that, that everything goes back to the conversation anyway, I'm like, shit, let me just hack the entire system here and go completely backdoor and just have conversations. I don't have to do social media. I don't have to do Zillow. I don't have to send postcards or go to networking events or do open houses or go door. I don't have to do any of that stuff. I can sit right here in my office for a penny and pick the exact person I want to do business with that owns the exact property that I want to represent and just call them and go ahead and have the conversation right now. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a get it done kind of person. Yeah. So I realized that I was like, shit, like all these people are wasting all their time, money and energy doing all this stuff. And I'm <laughs> they want the easy here. button. I'm yeah. just sitting here. Well, this is the easy button. Yeah. Well, it's the hard, it's the hard, easy, it's hard, button, easy. Button. It, yeah. It's not complicated, it, but it's, it's, but it's difficult to do. Right. It, it, I guess the people yeah. that do it, the, I think that all the stuff they do are, is difficult. Yeah. Why am I going to yeah. go do it? Why am I going to go spend hours and hours doing an open house or spend all this money on Facebook? Um, just to turn right around and talk to someone. Right. I could just talk to them right now. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Why, that that seems to. very difficult to me. You mm -hmm. know, spend all that mm -hmm. time, money, and energy just to do what I'm going to do mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the only thing between an agent and a million bucks a year is th is thousands of one-on-one -on -one conversations with people in their market. So they can spread that out over 20, 30 years, or they can do it in the next two or three or four years. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. it's up to them. How you so do cra it. Crazy Uncle Keith here always says, uh, I always love this about a uh, comment he makes, when you're feeling fear or when next time somebody says the word lawsuit in, in yeah. any one of your conversations, mm -hmm. just pick up the phone and call a past client and have a conversation. Just yeah. literally use that as an exercise. Anytime That's you good. feel fear, anytime, anytime anything negative comes out, just use that as a as a call sign to be like, I'm going to go call yeah. a past client and say hi. Wor worried about your bank account? Call a past client. Worried yeah. about the lawsuit? Call yep. a past client. Yeah, pick, up a, about, pick up a phone and call yeah, a client. Worried about your romantic yeah. relationship? Yeah. Call a past client. So, Ricky, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being on our show today. Uh, awesome. Very insightful. Really cool to see all of your success and everything you've done. I uh, love the... Love the historical perspective and being vulnerable about sharing your ups and downs. I think I think it's good for people to hear that stuff. A lot of times people see successful people and they they don't realize that there's a story there for almost all of them that isn't yeah. always just a clear upward path. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of um a lot of struggles along the way. And um everybody who is not familiar with Ricky can check out uh his podcast. We'll put all of his info um in our pod below and Go follow all of his work. He's got really, really good content on there. So again, Ricky, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, appreciate it, guys. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thanks, it's our job to say out loud what everybody's only thinking to themselves. It's your job to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. <laughs>